Call me sentimental, but to me, the most joyful moment in sports is the soccer goal. And when that goal happens at the World Cup, well, it's pretty good. I'm Brian Phillips. With the 2022 Men's World Cup approaching, I'm making a podcast called 22 Goals on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's about 22 of the most fire emoji goals in the history of the tournament. We're going to have so much fun. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Sheila Kapadia joined by Benny Souls, a.k.a. Ben Solak. It's the Thursday 10. We might post this episode early, so you might get it as the Wednesday 10, but you know how it goes. We're going to talk about what we saw on film from the Jaguars game. We're going to talk about the week five matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to mix in some usual nonsense, and we're, we're going to give our game predictions. Benjamin, I am coming off a 10-year-old's birthday party so i don't know what the podcast equivalent is of like the thursday night after a sunday night but i feel like this this is pretty close so you might have to carry me uh, a little bit good play calling um you know give, give me some breathers i'm gonna be tapping out a little bit in and out so I, i'm leaning on you for this episode what was the highlight of the 10 year old's birthday party uh i i made two birdies playing golden tee it was at a uh we got this local like uh, local arcade spot and so uh, my daughter had had some friends over there for the uh for the birthday party they had wait it's your daughter's birthday it was her it was her birthday last weekend awesome happy birthday this was the party thank you and so uh yeah not to brag or anything but yeah i did uh you know when i wasn't supervising of course you know i nailed a couple yes being good father and yes oriented on her experience yeah being present uh i did make back-to-back birdies and golden tea so you know listen that that's just how we do on the ringers philly special all right we got a lot to get to everybody read ben's banger today on the ringer about jalen hurts and the eagles offense what was the as you did the work for that wonderful article, what was like the one thing that surprised you that you unearthed or that a nugget where you were like, Ooh, this, this yeah. is good. I had thought about this before. What was there something like that from writing that piece? So definitely the degree to which the Eagles are different than every other team in the running game is surprising when you like, I, I watch a lot of NFL, but I watch a lot of Eagles and I, you know, it's, it, it can, you kind of see it and you're like, okay, that's different. And then you see it in the numbers uh, for anybody who hasn't read the piece. 
basically that every team in the NFL, if they want to run the football, gets it under center, right? The uh, There are only seven teams in the league that ru- that call more runs from shotgun than they do from under center. That's just always been the prevailing approach in the NFL. However, uh, the Eagles call almost 80% of their called runs from shotgun, which only they and the Cardinals are even remotely close to that high of a number, both totally college-inspired offenses. That plus the fact that they also still run a ton of RPOs and play action and everything like that is extremely unique. Like the Ravens were kind of like that with Lamar a little bit in 2019 uh, and then moved away from it. The Cardinals have been like that before and they moved away from it, which is an interesting sensation is that some of these teams that have done this have then decided to become something else. So I think one of the, one of the main things that I, I, I walked away feeling, not so much writing, but feeling was like, okay, the Eagles offense is still evolving. Like this is not final form. Yeah. The teams that have done this have then gone on to do something different. Um, we can talk about what that means passing game wise and whatever. So that's very, very interesting. The one, the one, the one off stat that I think is crazy uh, and that dovetails nicely into our conversation here is, uh, as I brought up, the Eagles have almost twice as many option runs as any other team in the league right now. They've got about 50. Or they got about 40, excuse me, and then the Cardinals are at 22. Uh, 31 of those option runs came against the Jaguars, according to Sports Info Solutions Charting. I went through and I was like, I don't think we got 31 up in here. I think that might be a little bit high in terms of my my read off of what's a what's an actual option versus what's just kind of supposed to look like an option. But uh, that's you know shocker here, the largest single game number of any game this season. Yeah, that's a ton. Uh, and so I didn't realize the extent to which the Eagles against the Jaguars, and you see this on the film a little bit, just became an option team. Uh, at 14 to nothing, when the rain came down, they're like, yeah, okay, we're an option team now. And they walked down the field doing it for three quarters. Yeah, it leads it leads well into our first question, which is what stood out on film with their run game uh, against the Jaguars? I can give some of my thoughts here. I thought you really nailed it uh, after the game with your analysis. But the two big things, I mean, Jay, the threat of Jalen Hurts as a runner, you can see it so clearly on some of these plays. You know, you were talking about Devin Lloyd after the game. You know, I, I remember the one play specifically, I think it was a 13-yard Miles Sanders run, where like Devin Lloyd's not the guy that Jalen Hurts is reading or accounting for in the right. blocking scheme. And he runs over and chases him because he's worried about the threat. And it just opens up the middle, uh, the middle there for Miles Sanders to take off. And that happened multiple times. I mean, the Jaguars tried different things. They had Josh Allen. I don't know if this was by design or whether if he just decided on the one play, I'm going to get a hit in here on Jalen Hurts. You know, that that is something we saw with those Chip Kelly teams where it's like, fine, you want to do that? We're just going to hit the quarterback yep. and hit the quarterback and you can scrape the linebacker. Uh, That's you know, a frustration call from somebody. Might be yeah. a Josh Allen call. Might be a Caldwell call. Mike might Caldwell be a, call. Right. a defensive line coach call. I think it's who they got there. Not Todd Wash anymore. Somebody else. Uh, uh, but basically somebody that, yeah. said to Josh Allen, can you just go hit go this hit guy, him. man? I swear yeah. to goodness. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this offense does to you. There, there was another one where, uh, you know, uh, that they – uh, scraped, like I said, you know that that's a method that we sub we, we've seen in college and in the NFL. We're basically just tell the end to go after one of the quarterback or the running back, yes. uh, or go after the running back, and then the linebacker scrapes behind him. So if the quarterback that which it, Chris Sims famously said would solve Lamar Jackson following the 2019 okay. season, do just scrape exchange, yeah. and it's going to be great, guys. So, so they did the scrape exchange, and Hertz kept the ball, but then he he saw the guy was scraping, and so he just ran it inside. 
And it was like a really nifty, it was only a four yard run, but it was a nifty four yard run where if you slow it down, a couple defenders are like diving at him and miss. And I don't know who number 40, I think it was 44. You can see mm-hmm. the defensive that's line. That's Trayvon. That's the run. Oh, that is. Yeah, that's Trayvon. Yeah. I don't know if it was, then I don't know if it was him or not. But so they, got- they, they play 41 on the outside, 44 on the outside. That's Josh Allen and Trayvon. And then they play 49, which okay. I think is uh, Pascal. Uh, the, the kid from Kentucky? I can't remember. I'll double check. Well, whoever basically missed the tackle or slipped there, you can see him. He slams his hand on the ground. Like, he, he, there, there there was frustration all over. Arden Key. Arden Key. Arden Key. Okay. That, yeah. that, that makes sense. Uh, frustration all over the Jaguars film. So, uh, those were some of the things that stood out. Hurts account, you know, the attention and the advantage you get from Hurts. And then just the offensive line. I mean, you mentioned it. They were just going inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. I mean, they switched it up a little bit down there in the red zone. They ran some, some more split zone, uh, in the second half, but there wasn't like a lot of variety in this game. This wasn't a game where you had to go and pull out, you know, eight different run schemes and go with it. This was just, yeah, until you guys stop this, we're going to run this over and over and over over again uh jason kelsey outstanding lane johnson outstanding and then you mentioned it with landon dickerson now for those who haven't seen uh go to brandon thorne's twitter he had a fantastic cut up of landon dickerson landon had himself an dominating uh dominating in this game so those are some of the things that that stood out uh for me with the run Mm -hmm. game uh anything that i missed there that caught your attention yeah so i think two things that are, are interesting uh, threads to follow across the course of the season. Number one was I talked a lot about how this Jaguars team had a blueprint as laid out by the Bucks last year. Mike Caldwell was on the staff to stop this offense. It turns out that they don't have Vita Vea, right? And that kind of, you know, that, that that's the growth process for the Jags, but that's also the Eagles being able to say, okay, last year you did this to us, but the Buccaneers live as a bare front team. When we talk about the Jordan Davis snaps, right? Five down fronts. Those are the fronts that the, the Bucs live in because they want Vita on the field. The Jags don't have that nose. Sometimes they do, Foley Fadukasi, um, but right. he was injured for this game, right? And he wasn't in there for a lot of the game. And, and once he was out, the Jags were almost exclusively a four-down front team. No nose, too. They play with, like, double three techs, right? They play with, a, with a, nobody over Kelsey. And if you are not going to put a body on top of Kelsey, especially like a, a really big body that, that Kelsey will struggle with just because of his size, Kelsey will go on the sideline. He'll find Stout. He'll find Steichen. And he'll say... We, we should never, never, ever stop running the football. And they'll listen to him because he's Kelsey. And they're, and they're right, because if you're going to give Kelsey free access to a double or Kelsey free access to a linebacker, it's a six-yard run. And like there was one run where they, I, I couldn't really figure it out, but it's inside zone run, and Kelsey goes to double with Landon, and he like reads it wrong, and he's late to the linebacker. And like, they, you know, both Aluakon and, and Loiter's in the gap. It's like a two-yard run for Sanders. It was just a, a busted block. And Kelsey's like irate. I think with himself. And it's because, like, you can tell Kelsey's like, okay, if you want to play this, if you want to play, we don't cover Jason Kelsey off the ball. I expect me, my line, my running game to pop off for six yards in every single run. Yeah. And the one time that, like, he keyed something incorrect, he was, like, pissed because this, this is, like, this was a, an insult to him, right? And so teams that are trying to live in, this, in, in four down fronts against the Eagles are going to struggle. That's why you can just run inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. Usually teams will gum up the interior and not let you do that. The Jacks didn't have the personnel to do it, and the Eagles just hammered it. So that's number one. Number two, the scrape exchange note. I'm going to leave, uh, you know, run zone read. You're going to leave an unblocked defensive end. That defensive end is going to shoot as hard as he can right at the mesh point, right at the mesh point, right at the mesh point. Go hit the the running back, hit the running back. Force the quarterback to keep, and then the linebacker is going to replace that defensive end on the outside, scrape over the top, and be right there waiting for the quarterback. Good way to defend zone read. 
one of the things that makes Hurts different than the other running quarterbacks, Lamar and Kyler, is that when they see that, they want to get outside of that dude. Mm-hmm. Lamar will go inside sometimes too. Lamar's a, Lamar's a, a, a very good slasher, slicer, good inside runner, but he does it by being skinny, right? He kind of just like slips by you, he slinks. Kyler's just going to try to scoot around you. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, like even these guys, they're going to try to get to the outside. That's what they're accustomed to doing. You remember the, the uh, Saints touchdown run that Jalen Hurts had, right? Where he yeah. just dead-legged Cameron Jordan into like, I think it was Marcus Davenport actually, into like the next millennium. If you give Hurts scrape exchange and you have a linebacker moving inside to out, right? His momentum's taking him to the sideline and he feels like he has to race Hurts to that corner. Hurts will stick that foot on the ground. We have seen it so often. The Vikings touchdown this year, he did that. He will put his foot in the ground and cut upfield on a guy. And that's because he is big enough to survive that contact and then go hit a linebacker. That makes scrape exchanging harder against Hurts. You can call it if you want. Great point. But he will will stick a dead leg down. He will send that guy flying past him. And then it's Jalen Hurts going north against a linebacker and a safety. Win for Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, you, you're right. Uh, it's a, it's a great point. That's what he did on the one uh, on the one play I mentioned there as well. All right, that was the run game. Any other uh, other big takeaways on just Hurts or the rest of the offense? Things that uh, things that stood out to you from the film? Uh, yeah, I think that we've said it, but it bears repeating. The I haven't like it. This team was moving linebackers, man. This yes. was like prime Shanahan, prime McVay stuff. Where just like the 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 first touchdown drive down fourteen to nothing started with a little AJ Brown play action glance route right let's get back to basics play action ball in the belly of the back it's not really an RPO uh, and then just five yard inbreaker from AJ Brown throw it in the window pick up a first down let's get to what we know and the way that all it takes is hurts in the gun just putting the ball in Sanders belly and and Kelsey moving to a double team and just looks like inside zone Foye Lucon moved Foye is a smart linebacker this is like Devin Lloyd rookie. Foye moved like four yards, man. I mean, the fear is unreal. They, they, their ability to pull linebackers into line of scrimmage, into a gap away from the center of the field, is, uh, is it is far more than I ever thought it would be. And that was that was in no game was that more clear than this Jaguars game. They ran a lot of read option in this game, and so maybe they won't be doing that as much or as easily in, in, in games in the future. But that to me was the, the the common thread of the offense was just watching how easily they pulled Devin Lloyd away from the center of the field, Foyer down into the line of scrimmage, Devin Lloyd to the center of the field. Wherever they didn't want those linebackers, they just knew how to yank them. And, that, and manipulating that second level just feels so easy, so effortless for this team right now with how well they use the RPO game, how well they work the flats, so on and so forth. Um, I also will say, like, I think there were throws that Hurts should have made that he didn't take. He was very scramble heavy in this game. He left pockets. The third and seven, uh, where the Eagles ended up punting in the first quarter, the ball should have been out to Kenny Gainwell in the flats. Let him win the one-on-one. Let him, you know, break, break, break a tackle and go pick up a first down. Especially, like, if we're going to keep putting Kenny Gainwell in the field, this has to be what he does, right? As he catches underneath stuff and he goes and gets a first down. That ball's got to be out. Uh, he had, they had this, that split back rep where he tried to throw to Zach Pascal on the sideline, incomplete pass, uh, where he left a pocket that wasn't super clean. Jack Driscoll was getting pushed into his into his belly, but it was manageable. And Devontae Smith wins on a, on Ooh, a little he big cooked post. that safety. Tyson oh, Campbell. Yeah, yeah Tyson Campbell's <laughs> spinning around. I mean, it, it, it's nothing but grass. You put that ball anywhere, Devontae's yeah. catching it, and it's probably six. But in order to do that, you have to know that he's going to open up. You have to choose to buy time and be ready to throw instead of leave the pocket and be unready to throw. Uh, and so there was, there was meat on the bone uh, in the passing game. With the weather and with how well the running game was working, and again, it's it's hard to complain. But that's just the continued 
calculus that we're monitoring here is, is just how much can Hertz leave on the bone in the passing game and how much can he justify that with his work in the running game? What does that balance look like for the Eagles offense every week? Yeah, there was a slot fade to uh, Quez Watkins where it looked like Hertz was lock, locked on to Goddard. I don't know if that's the same play mm-hmm. you were mentioning. And then he rolled uh, yeah. rolled out to his left there. And the uh, yeah, the third and and uh, the third and goal from the sixteen with the, the the Hertz scramble. Goddard opens up on the flag route, primary route, first read. The guy who's supposed to open up where he's supposed to open up. Hertz saw that space in the middle of the field and went. And I don't yeah. fault him for it. it for a lot of other quarterbacks, that's just pitch and catch six. And that, and then you get to fourth and goal, and Hurts makes it six with his legs. And it's like, okay, how can this always be the case? Is this going to work every week? Yeah, I was thinking as I watched some of those plays this week that given the rainy conditions, given that you're playing with a back, a third string left tackle, really, that I was like, you know what? Yes. I, I felt like this is not a game to I agree. pick those. I don't even know how, you know, I wonder how he was he might be being coached that, Hey, let's like in this game, if you see it, just take off and run. Like we'll, we'll take those, those yards. Our defense is playing well, those kinds of things. So you're right. Something to, that we kind of continue to monitor. We'll probably talk about those things every week, but I thought in these circumstances, given that he was picking up those yards with his legs and, and given the rainy conditions that it was fine. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to talk about with the offense. One is, I don't know, first of all, now, I'm not someone who used, that uses the word vibes all the time. I feel like vibes is that, like, what okay. age group, what age group is used? I feel like I, I'm I transitioning from Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati, <laughs> who based, like, every NFL Sunday was just like, what are the vibes? To now, Chico Capati was like, I'm too old for vibes. Well, well, my wife was uh, kind of making fun. She's like, you, you're you on, like, an eight-podcast streak in a row where someone has mentioned vibes um, to you. And Welcome like, to the ringer. Yeah, Welcome to the ringer, Mr. <laughs> Here we go. That was my that was my indoctrination. So uh, I'm not gonna use vibes, but I think I understand what what vibes means. And one thing that was really cool about this game was the celebrations, the enthusiasm for players who were not making a play for their teammates. You know, Devontae Smith on the Miles Sanders touchdown run where he he's blocking there. And I think at that point, Devontae Smith had probably had like one catch for six yards and his fist pump when Miles Sanders gets in the end zone. That's pretty cool. Lane Johnson, when they run the ball in the fourth quarter and pick up a first down, he's giving the big first down signal. Uh, Dallas Goddard, I saw, gave a big uh, first down signal after just a run play. And uh, on Miles Sanders' last touchdown, if you watch Jalen Hurts when his hands go up, to signal touchdown, like Miles Sanders mm-hmm. is still at the line of scrimmage. And Hertz is just like, all right, from the look, from the way they're playing this, this is scoring, and that's getting in. So I don't want to read too much into that. You know, culture is like, all right, you're 4-0. Oh, yeah, people are going to be feeling really good. But those things definitely stood out a little bit to me on the film. And then the last thing is just, you know, we will talk about some of the injuries here going forward. But Jack Driscoll, you know, watching live, I think, Thought he was better than he was when I watched the film. Now, you got to grade on a curve. The guy's coming in, has not played left tackle. It's a tough spot. You just want a guy to survive in that spot. And he did survive. Having said that, it was pretty clear he, to me, was their weakest offensive lineman. And if you told me, hey, he's got to play left tackle for like the next three weeks, that would give me some concern. And I would think you would have to do some things, you know, game plan wise structurally to help him out. Again, it wasn't like he was a disaster. He didn't ruin your game. And really, that's all you're looking for in that spot. But certainly some of those bull rushes, Josh Allen was throwing his way a couple of the sacks. He's getting pushed right into Jalen Hurts' face. So uh, that's something to just keep an eye on going forward here. Yeah, I very much agree. 
you don't want to be in a position where Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence come to town next oh my week gosh. and Driscoll starting a left tackle. Yeah. Uh, I, I I thought that he was about as good on ultimately two as I thought it was coming out. The, the it's going to be interesting because like he played Allen and Walker who are are power rushers. They are through you rushers. And now we go to Arizona and it's Dennis Gardick and Marcus Golden. It's speed and around you rushers. These should be the ones that he deals with better given his build, given his athleticism. This He should be better in pass protection against guys like Gardick and Golden than he was against Allen and Walker. So that's expectation for this week in the event that he has to play. If he has to play against Parsons and Lawrence, it becomes the hide-and-seek time. It becomes we build the game plan around helping Jack Driscoll because that's where we're going to have yeah. to be. That's how the Cowboys win games. And so it's, it's something to watch over the next two weeks, the sort of arc for Driscoll there at left tackle. All right, let's take a little break, and then we'll come back and talk about what we saw on film from the defense. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. All right, Benjamin, what stood out on film from the Eagles' defensive performance to you? I, I wonder if uh, I have a take on this. I wonder if it's uh, if it's similar to yours or, or it might not be. I Okay, I'm interested. I would like to hear your take because okay. I watched, and to me, I was very much like, yeah, like they are in a pocket. They are like kind of established with what they like, what they don't like. They know their packages. They got their bare front with Davis, and they got their outside linebacker rotation yeah. down. Like I had the corner injuries, but they... Still had the, the communication they needed. Like, I was pretty much like, all right, like, we've now seen this for enough weeks that I kind of believe that the Eagles defense is going to be a reliable thing week in, week out. I'm not all the way there yet, but, like, this to me was very much like a, okay, very solid work. So I, I didn't come up with any major takeaway. Uh, I kind of watched this and thought if this game is played in normal weather, like, if you played this game 10 times in normal weather conditions, this this would not have been the outcome for the Eagles defense the majority of the time. Now, that's not to take anything. You have to deal with the weather conditions. Oh, I, mean, I definitely agree with Eagles that. Eagles had to deal with it. Yeah. But, but, I, but like, it, it's just going through. You know, like, the first uh, possession that the Jaguars had, I mean, it's just a terrible throw on third down. They, they, they had Christian Kirk in the backfield. They get him matched up against Kaiser White. It's, it's a nice job by Dougie P. And he just, and, and Lawrence just completely misses the throw. 
that end to drive. There was a, a real nice uh, design again, I thought, by Dougie P, where they went for, they moved the pocket with Trevor Lawrence, a new launch point play action, and he had Jamal Agnew on a stutter go against Zach McPherson, and he got past him, and Marcus Epps bit on the uh, on the route underneath, yeah, yeah. And, and Lawrence overthrew him. Like, that, you know, that, that to me is, like, you didn't do anything there. They did. You have two drives. I mean, the fourth and three, where the ball just slips out of Trevor Lawrence's hands. I know Hassan Reddick pressured him, but I mean, he's got a wide receiver right there where most of the time that's going to be a first down. The other QB sneak on third and one, the ball just slips out of his hands. And so we realized that we talked about it in the postgame pub, but as I was adding him up, I'm like, right. You just feel like when you're watching it, you kind of are re-reminded of the cumulative. Right. It's like five drives ended with like nothing that you really did. And even just like you could tell Peterson was trying to get Lawrence some easy completions. They had the drive where they threw two screens uh, to the perimeter in a row and Lawrence missed on both of them. And then he just called a draw on third down. And so like Lawrence was really a disaster in this game. You know, he, he could not handle the weather conditions at all. He did, has not played anything close to that in his first three games. And so just because I'm not saying the Eagles didn't play well, it's in Reddick made great plays. Uh, you know, Bradbury had the uh, interception. There, there, there were things to like for sure. So I don't want to come across, all right, Shields crushing Johnny Gans again. It wasn't anything the Eagles did schematically where I said they got cooked. It was just a matter where I'm like, man, when you add a lot of these things up that just had to do with the opposition kind of having these self-inflicted mistakes, you know, the score definitely could have looked uh, different. It could have been a more competitive game. I mean, they still had the ball uh, in the fourth quarter with a chance to score and get a two-pointer to tie the game. So uh, maybe a little more even, not as dominating when I watched on on uh, film there. I actually wanted to ask you, I don't know how closely you looked at that Bradbury interception uh, mm-hmm. on film because I, I, I was curious to hear your analysis yep. of that, whether the Eagles just busted because they, they it, it, numbers wise, it looks like a zero blitz, but then Marcus Epps is playing basically the deep middle. Chauncey Gardner Johnson starts to blitz and then he peels back. I wonder if there was a miscommunication with him and Josiah Scott about who's to blitz because the Jaguars had a little motion there. Um, do you have any? I, I probably should have given you know, something I should probably give you a heads up on beforehand but uh no you're okay. <laughs> okay so there's there's a there is a miscommunication on the blitz right and so you have uh, the nickel josiah scott and you have chauncey the safeties coming into the box one of them is respond uh they're, they're responsible for a blitz package one of them is on a blitz period the other one's on the back in the event that the back releases fast out right so if the back's out into the flat right now if the back's out into the concept i'm on the back if the back stays in to protect i add on right and so like just think about that math wise I want to send Josiah Scott in the blitz. Well, what if they keep the back in? Well, then I'll send the guy who is covering the back on the blitz. I'm going to make sure I have one extra dude, right? What the the issue is, and Doug was sick in the red zone. Doug ran circles around Gannon in the red zone mm. and didn't really get like the points out of it. The, yes. expect. the Jaguars weren't in the red zone that often. Obviously, you have the pick and whatever. Um, what Doug does is Doug brings the wide receiver on the way, way opposite side of the blitz into the backfield. And then he's the one who comes fast out of the backfield. And so now Scott and Chauncey aren't sure, okay, the back's in to protect. So Chauncey's like, I should be blitzing right now because if the back's in to protect, I'm going to blitz. But a guy just came out of the backfield fast to the flat, which is also what I'm supposed to go cover. So like they added another player into the backfield and screwed with the rules. Basically what you end up with is as at the snap, there are four eligible receivers to the side of the play. And that's a four strong concept. And four strong concepts tend to require 
different rules. They tend to require different attention because you're just flooding half of the field with a bunch of players. So that bust in and of itself is solid. The point of that play with that wheel coming or with that flat route coming out of the backfield is to pull zone defenders down so you can throw the wheel on top of it. And that's just Bradbury being in the league for as long as he has, right? This yeah. this is a a beater concept, right? If you are running cover one and you're running man, then you feel like you should be able to get the wheel open with the natural rub, right? With with some of the uh, the, the the friction and, and the collisions that happen there. And then if you're running quarters, which the Eagles are either going to run cover one or quarters pretty much on most most of their passing snaps, you expect the post to pull Bradbury away from the wheel and then throw the wheel. And just the entire time Bradbury's covering the post, you can tell he sniffs it. He just the whole time, he's like, he's not worried about getting beat deep. He's kind of he's in his shuffle. He's not opening his hips. He's just waiting to fall off the post and go to the wheel. He just knows it's coming. And then obviously it does, and he, he makes an easy interception. And so it's a great design in terms of the, the backfield stuff to create confusion in the blitz package by Lawrence time to make the throw. But then Bradbury's been around the yard a few times. And he's Doug likes to throw his wheels uh, in, in, in the red zone. And so Bradbury kind of sniffs it out and, individual play from a really good player erases some of the issues of some of the young guys. And that's, that's how you want your, your, your team to work in these dire situations. Yeah. You watch it over and over again. Well, at least I did. And I'm like, how, how is this not a touchdown? How does this not score? It's, it's there. I mean, not only does the wheel look wide open, if, if the post carries Bradbury, I mean, there's two guys to that side of the field. Like you mentioned the back who nobody's accounted for because Chauncey Gardner Johnson is going to get to him way too late. And then the wheel looks like it's wide open. So yeah, that, that's one of those where it's just like, man, Man, that, that looked wide open, and Bradbury made, really, again, made a huge play. It's 2014 at that time, where if he doesn't make that play, you're down 21-20. Maybe uh, it's a little bit different there. So that was something else that stood out to me. Any Anything else on defense that caught your eye? Uh, the Hassan Reddick day, I agree. Like, two fumbles is probably more than you would expect for how productive he was. But at the same time... Uh, I kind of went in and I was like, I bet you he's winning on a lot more rushes than he was. And he really wasn't. Like, he's just won on a lot of rushes. And these were the ones where he got home. Lawrence managed the pocket poorly and then obviously managed the ball poorly, like you were talking about with the weather. Uh, the really cool thing about Redick is that when he wins, he wins very, very fast in the down, right? Which we talk a lot about time to throw. How do you negate pressure? Like in the many, many years the Eagles have had a dominant defensive line, we've always talked about the opposing team's time to throw. Can the quarterback get rid of the football quickly? If he can, he can negate the rush. Something that the Eagles have in Reddick that like the last time they had this was probably Chris Long was a guy who can win right now off the ball. Like he wins off the snap very fast. He throws his moves very quick. Like if he's going to run his little push pull, he initiates contact, rips and goes. And like if it misses, it misses. But if it hits, he's getting pressure two, two and a half seconds. And that's a really important window because like Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, when he was healthy, these guys rush slower. Like Graham is just going to be a through you guy. Joshua is going to put a long arm on you and then he's going to run a move. And that's, that's fine. It's just having a dude who wins really quick in the down is I think to the Eagles benefit. And so something that just stood out to me on, on watching the game from Reddick. Um, and then I thought uh, Josiah Scott made me feel better about depth for sure. I Interesting. wonder, yeah, he, he, he had his mistakes in communication, but in terms of like man coverage, he looked yes. good. That, and yeah. I feel, yeah. And that to me is, is obviously Maddox is the guy who's hurt and Darius Slay is hurt. But if, if you take me to week 12 right now and you tell me one of Slay or Bradbury's got to miss a week concussion protocol, you know what I'm saying? Like there's like, they're out for a week. I'm to me, I'm like, 
put Maddox on the outside and put Scott in the nickel. Like I like I I would I I don't feel bad about that in terms of how Scott played. He was physical against the run. He certainly limited. He's not a big guy, but so is Maddox. Like he was physical against the run. He understands how to play with leverage and main coverage. He knows where his help is. He he gets it. So we've talked a lot about corner depth. So I watched a lot of Scott when I was watching this defensive film, and I was like, yeah. In terms of your your backup slot, which is like corner five limited player has to play on special teams. Scott fits the bill. And that's a good feeling because I, I didn't know where I was on corner depth at all coming into the season. Yeah, I think what stood out, I was with you. If you just ask him to play man coverage, like he had a great mm-hmm. rep against Christian Kirk in the slot where he came away with a PBU. It's like, okay, he can cover him. The issues that you run into whenever you have injuries in the secondary, it's like the stuff we complimented them about previously was, oh, they're, they're communicating. Oh, look, they're passing off uh, these crossers. Those are the things that really show up and can get exposed when you're playing with backup cornerbacks. And so I saw a couple of the explosive plays you saw in this game. That was kind of the issue where it's like, okay, yeah, they've got new guys out there and this is going to happen. So I don't think it's fair to like crush Scott for those things, but that's certainly something to keep an eye on. If those guys have to continue to play, uh, certainly defenses are going to attack them or when they know they're getting certain coverages. All right, how are these guys going to communicate, pass these things off? Can we get them? And the Jaguars did that a little bit, as we mentioned, not to keep killing Trevor Lawrence. He was not able to expose a lot of those things. All right, let's get to question number four. Got some injuries. I feel like it's the first time we've really had to talk, uh, Mm -hmm. do a point here on injuries. So we don't know the extent of all of these. You've got Jake Elliott, uh, you know, the Eagles signed Cameron Dicker to the practice squad. Dicker the kicker. Dicker the kicker to the practice squad. So that tells you that there's at least some unknown about Jake Elliott's health. You've got Jordan Mailata, who uh, I saw Mike Garofolo of NFL Network saying that he doesn't expect Mailata to be able to play this weekend. Andre Dillard starts practicing. And so it uh, could be Dillard. Could be Driscoll again, uh, Slay and Maddox. We still don't know. So you're talking about Josiah Scott and Zach McPherson having to play. And then Isaac Sayamalu. We don't know with him either. Uh, presumably uh, Sua Opeta. And so my question to you is, which injury are you most concerned about? Elliot, Mylata, Slay, Sayamalu, or Avante Maddox? Slay. Okay. Uh, I think I think Slay is just the best player in that group, period. And then as I brought up, I think corners is just a thinner spot. Like, obviously, left tackle is really important. But in terms of quarterbacks and offenses that minimize the importance of a single pass protector, the Eagles are probably, like, one. if if They're top two, if not one. Uh, Hurts escapes the first rusher every time. And so if you're in a position where, like, the rest of your line is really good and the left side's a problem, then you provide help at times. At times, you don't. And you just expect Hurts to be able to break a sack and, and, and extend it down. And then running game-wise, if you want to protect a offensive lineman, a backup guy, run the football. Let him dictate. Let him come off the ball. That's what offensive linemen do well. Uh, and the Eagles are able to run the football in a variety of ways in neutral game scripts and still feel like they're being competitive and they're putting points on the board. And so the Eagles are really well suited to dealing with a line injury as opposed to in the defensive backfield where, right, we're still seeing busts. We're going to see busts for a while. Like, it's just, yeah. they are an extremely pass-exchange-heavy team. They are trying to play zone match quarters, and, like, that's really hard to do. Uh, it requires so much communication. Like, that in and of itself is tough. And then you don't even want to be that on third down. They don't want to be that on third down. They want to be a man coverage team on third down because they feel like they have the bodies to do it. Without Darius Slatt, I don't know how, how feasible that becomes, right? Okay, it's Arizona. You're getting maybe A.J. Green, Greg Dorch. 
Hollywood Brown. Like, all right, you should be okay. You know what I'm saying? But over the over the course of, of this game and then, you know, going to Dallas and getting CeeDee Lamb and just the, the extent of star receivers that there are in the league. I brought this up after the Vikings game. Slay kind of being like, I'm playing through a back injury. It's kind of like, hey, maybe don't because uh, you're a little old and we really, really need you. Uh, and so Slay to me is the one who stands out. My lot is certainly a good player uh, and, and important to, to kind of work around him. But Slay is the harder position to account for. And I also think he's just the better player, better player period. I think you're probably right. I think if push came to shove, I would agree with you, mostly because of the drop-off between the player and the backup. You could make a case for Mylotta. You could make a case. How about Jake Elliott? You could make a case for Jake Elliott. I mean, I was going to tongue-in-cheek make a case for Jake Elliott, but it's a big deal. Yeah, Kicker I mean, injuries are a headache. And their special teams have been a weakness. Like, if they're going to lose one of these games that they're not supposed to lose, would not surprise me at all if we came on a post-game pod and we're like, well, special teams cost them that game. And so now you're taking away uh, your kicker there. So uh, I would agree with you with Slay, though. I think that is the correct answer. So we'll see what happens with those injuries by the time uh, kickoff rolls around on Sunday afternoon you just yawn there do you need a little you need a little caffeine is this the time what what's the time of the week where you're just like all right it's kind of hitting me it's this it's this for me i'm like all right uh in 24 so, hours i can take a little breather but you do more than me i mean you're banging out articles you're doing videos you're a young man see you you're playing a young man's <laughs> game i i yeah. have to know my limitations I'm at this point <laughs> start week four in the season i'm starting to kind of wish i didn't play a young man's game i took a sip of caffeine last night because i needed to get prepped on for the play sheet and the moment it hit my tongue, my body like <laughs> revolted. My body was like, water, we are dehydrated. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. So I drank a bunch of water. And then this morning I woke up and had my coffee. And then this afternoon I was standing at the coffee truck and I was looking at it and I was like, I really think I need coffee. And I was like, no, your body's telling you you're relying too much on caffeine, don't. And I got apple cider instead. Oh, I'm so tired right now. <laughs> I'm just, just, just. Just we are getting done with today and we're trying to reset the clock and get the right fluids into the body yeah. and come back tomorrow. I like that. Yeah, no, the, yeah, I think this is the, well, this is the football. Listen, the being, being, our jobs are uh, fantastic. We're not digging ditches, but I think what happens is every year at the beginning of the season, you're so excited and you have mm -hmm. all these ideas and you're like, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then this is usually the time of year where you're like, you know what? That extra thing I asked to do, that might not have been the, uh, the best idea. I don't know if this is sustainable for 17, 20 weeks, but that's okay. You're young. You'll handle it. All right. Number five, let's hand out, hand out some awards for, I mean, we, we got screwed because it's 17 games now, so you can't even say the quarter I, it's the worst. Uh, of the I season. It. It's a disaster. You can't do mid-season awards because there you, is no If you do the math, it's like sometime during the one o'clock games. <laughs> In week five, where it's like the quarter part of the season. That's when you got it. That's when you got to hit it. That might have been a good bit for us. We're, if we're like, we're going to wait to record this one question right. <laughs> until one o'clock on Sunday, but we don't have that just, in us. Just a third drive of the one o'clock games <laughs> and you and I start tweeting, Jalen Hurts, quarter season MVP. <laughs> a lot of Eagles. All right. One of these are easy ones. I, well, not easy ones, but straightforward ones. I didn't get too creative. MVP on offense. Who do you got? Jalen Hurts, no question. How about AJ Brown? I think you could make a strong case for A.J. Brown. I'll make the case for A.J. Brown. Third in receiving yards, 404. Uh, fifth in first downs, 18. Third in yards per route run. Uh, 217 yards on in-breaking routes. Ins, digs, slants, glances, crosses. First, 
in the NFL. The guy has totally changed the way the offense operates. Like I was trying to think if they didn't make that A.J. Brown trade, I was also thinking about how lucky you have to get as an NFL team and an NFL GM, right? They tried to trade for Calvin Ridley, which maybe that would have been great for them. They tried to sign Christian Kirk. How about Allen Robinson? That is the hanging tomato right there. Oh my gosh, if they would have signed Allen Robinson, this season would be so different. The Howie Roseman opinions would be so different, but guess what? None of those things came through and they were ready to pounce on A.J. Brown. Like if they didn't have A.J. Brown right now, I wonder where I wonder where this offense would rank. I wonder what their record would be. It'd be, be. worse. No, they probably would have lost the game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. A.J. Brown is, is, is critical. He's integral. You cannot pull the A.J. Brown block out of this Jenga tower without the thing falling over. Yeah. No questions about that. However, the third best receiver in the league has never won MVP in the history of the NFL. No. The guy who usually wins MVP <laughs> is the quarterback with a ton of counting stats, which obviously isn't the exercise. But I, I and maybe it's just because I literally just wrote that piece <laughs> and like I'm in the framework of kind of the way the Eagles play ball versus the way the other NFL teams play ball. But there is no team in the league who has an offense like the Eagles. And no matter which way you slice it, they could not do this without Jalen Hurts. They could not be this good of a running team without Jalen Hurts. They couldn't run read option without Jalen Hurts. They wouldn't have as good of an RPO game. Like a bunch of teams have tried to be super RPO heavy, you know, Cardinals and Bears under Matt Nagy, and like the Chiefs still do it, and it's it works. But that's not why their offense is great because they have Mahomes. Like no team, Tua with the Dolphins last year. Like no team has been as RPO reliant while also being explosive and like not suspect to insane pressure. Save for these 2022 Eagles, and it's because of of what Jalen Hurts brings you to the table. It is an ongoing calculus. There's a chance, and we, we talked about this a lot pre-season. We're talking about it now still. There's a chance we get to the end of the season and we go, okay, is it worth it? You know, do you want to go down this road? Do you want to go second contract and totally build this way? But for right now, in terms of, of your, set, what are they, second in DVOA right now? They're like seventh in EPA per play on offense. It, it, the, the foundation of this offense is we have a guy who has skills and nobody else does. We are going to maximize it, make opposing teams prepare for it, and then see if they can stop it over four quarters. Four, four games in, nobody can. Yeah, Hertz is completing, I think, over 67% and averaging over nine yards per attempt. So it's Hertz. But you know what? I think there's a, there's a case, certainly, for A.J. Brown. All right, MVP on the defense. I thought this was the more thought-provoking one. Who do you got? It, this, one, this one is tricky because it's very much been a... Every, like everybody's going to eat sort of a situation. Yeah. Uh, a lot of players have contributed. I think it's Slay. I think the performance against Jefferson is the best single performance an Eagles defensive player has had this year. Even, you know, uh, that's on right in the strip sacks, like obviously the whole defensive line, everything like that. Uh, the defensive line's got a lot of talent on it, but it's a lot like it's it's a lot of situational guys, a lot of beats like like Fletch, Davis, Hargrave, Graham, Sweat, Reddick. Everybody's just like good. Good to very good. Nobody's really, really elite. Whereas what we've seen from Slay this year is very good cornerback play that's going to border on elite cornerback play. Like they're, they're like the performance he had against Jefferson. No, like Marshawn Lattimore didn't have that performance against Jefferson in week four. Jeff Akuda didn't have it in week three. He got way more help than than Slay did. Like nobody has done this yet against against Jefferson. It's it's tough to base it off of just one game, but what he is able to give you when you get into your press man stuff, if he can continue to erase opposing teams wide receiver ones, that level of corner play is very hard to capture. It's very hard to identify it. Usually like a player has it for a year and then they lose it, right? Corner play is extremely volatile. Right. But if Eagles have that for this season, it elevates their defense to a unbelievable level. 
because it gets them out of their zone match stuff and into straight man coverage. And if they can win those reps, they can they have a fighting chance against every offense in the league. And that's going to be the thing to watch for Slay is continue to be healthy. Don't be playing at 80%, play at 90 play at 95%. Long season, make sure you're healthy in January. And then when you get those star receivers in the NFC in the January playoff run, lock them down. Yeah, that's a good point with Slay. He should not be. Yeah, I'm with you. Do no, you no need to no. rush that guy back. It's a like, very, it's a very tough moment in a player's career where you have to be like, hey, you know how you used to like just be gimpy and go. We would no longer like for you to do that because right. you don't want that to be the reality of your body. You want to be a competitor. You want to compete, play with the boys. That's part of loving football. Darius is probably at the stage in his career <laughs> where he needs to accept the reality that you know, okay, maybe you could go this week but we'd rather you be healthy in week 19 as opposed to week five. So, yeah, you know, put on a headset, make some calls. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I went with James Bradbury only because Slay missed I love that. So I'm like, you know, four games. If he, if he missed one game, uh, it's only the quarter pole season. Otherwise, I absolutely would have had him in the running. But, I mean, we were talking about Bradbury last week, you know, before the Jaguars game and how well he played in week three and he's just been such a stabilizing force and in that play making up for errors that younger you know more inexperienced right, players sure. are making and creating a turnover in that spot and he's just been steady i mean listen he's he's missed some tackles uh cam robinson the <laughs> one play last week when he got that must suck to be a cornerback you're like i did not sign up for cam yeah. robinson to be coming at me in space and knocking me over and then cam robinson went over to the eagles bench and i was talking to he, that that must feel good as an offensive lineman as well but listen that i i don't care about that with cornerbacks like you're not going to be taking on a left tackle in space and not falling down. But uh, coverage, not falling for double moves. I mean, he's been everything you could have wanted. Like I said, mm -hmm. a stabilizing force, healthy, durable. And so I will give him my uh, defensive MVP after four games. Most improved on offense. Who do you got? I think it's a two-man race. Two-man race? Yeah. Okay. I think it's probably Miles Sanders. And I say oh, that. Oh, really? I he say was that. not one of my two men. I say that. Well, so, okay. It's probably Jalen Hurts. But putting Jalen like off to the side because Jalen's winning MVP and like I think that that conversation's kind of been had. I say Miles Sanders with such a huge caveat because Sanders' job is so easy. I was and I know say it that. is yeah. right. I know it is. I know the reads are simple, and I I know like okay, he's gonna run outside zone fifteen times and yada 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 whatever. And like the Eagles still don't put him on the field and they're down. It's like the Kenny Gainwell show and whatever. Sanders continued battle with decision-making, upfield running, and hitting the correct hole, while long discussed and probably, you know, still present enough such that it will not get him a second contract in Philadelphia, certainly not like a big one, really hasn't reared its head except for like one or two plays so far this season. Washington, he was a couple bad ones. Jacksonville, he looked great. Detroit, he looked very, very good. Yeah. Uh, and he, even though he continues to make mistakes with his eyes, somebody, don't know who it is on, on the offensive coaching staff, but somebody's convinced him like, hey, if you just go forward, we won't yell at you. If you just hit a hole with decisiveness and it's vertical, because sometimes you're very decisive about going horizontal. If you just choose to go vertical, we'll figure it out. But like, it, just choose that for us. And he's gotten his teeth into that. And that's greatly to his benefit because he's explosive and he breaks tackles. And so like, yeah, the, I, I, I can't remember the exact play. I think it was second quarter against Washington. Absolutely, there's times where he still runs himself into a guy and he could have been more patient. He could have developed space. But the issue of, of seeing a gap and choosing to bounce 
has not yet reared its head this year. And that's a very, 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 very big deal for this running game because the only yep. way it hurts is if the back shoots you in the foot right now. Like the, the, the quarterback makes it work. The play calling makes it work. The line makes it work. The back just has to do your job, cog in a machine. And Sanders has struggled with that in the past and seems not to be doing it this year. And I think that that deserves attention and praise while also with a trap door open so I can escape this take if I need to. Yeah, you know, he, he is a fine back and he's played well. There's no doubt about it. I just can't get over. I was watching a uh, Steelers film breakdown on the uh, QB school YouTube uh, page mm-hmm. yesterday. And he's uh, JT O'Sullivan is going through like some of these Steelers run plays. And it's just like, like the left guard and the right guard don't like, don't have the same play call. And like the right guard is like trapping the, you know, is like trapping the three technique who the left guard is already blocking. And it's not like one play. Like he, he was just beside himself. And that was right after I just got finished watching the Eagles film from this yes. week, which I think Brandon Thorne called the best uh, run blocking performance by any team this season, which is, is hard to argue with when you're seeing some of these whole and you're seeing you know, defenses have to account for Hurts. And then you're seeing your offensive line dominate. And then they do have different run schemes they can turn to when they need to. They didn't need to last week. But Jeff Stoutland and how he has, all right, you got a backup left tackle in there? Guess what? The run game uh, still goes. Oh, you have a backup right guard in there? Guess what? The run game still goes. And so I don't want to make it say, you know, nothing is easy. You're playing in the NFL. That's not easy. But I can't get out of my head that, like, I could probably plug in 15 to 20 backs into that role and your rushing efficiency probably would not change that much. But that's the, that's not that wasn't the question. The question was improved, and so you made the case yes. for why he has improved. And I do uh, think it's important to know, I think, yes, you could take 15 backs and you could plug them in and it would be roughly the same. I don't think any of those backs currently exist on the Eagles roster, which is important. I agree. Like I agree with that. I think, I think Boston is like fine, but even then it's not the same just because of the yeah. tackle-breaking ability Sanders has because he's got good contact balance and, and good burst, whereas Boston is just like a little scoot out there. So, yes... And if the Eagles had just like Mike Boone, it'd be like, okay, well then who really freaking cares? But they don't. They have yeah. just all scat backs and Trey Sermon back there. And so it's important. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, I went, I thought when I said two-man race, I had Jalen Hurts or Landon Dickerson. And not that Dickerson wasn't good last year, but I do feel yeah, like... Yeah, that was my hang-up with Dickerson. I was like, he looks great this year. And he was, I was like, good last year. He looked yeah. great last year. Yeah, That's yeah. true. Yeah, and no, I would agree with that. I mean, it's it probably, you know, it's boring to make it Hurts. But yeah, it, it, it really is Hurts. And we'll get to a couple of questions here that'll make it pretty clear why it's Hurts. All right, who do you have most improved on defense? Josh Sweat. This is not this is not a TJ Edwards has not gotten better take. He absolutely has. I have TJ Edwards as my guy. Yes. Uh, Edwards is definitely faster than he was, which is my big hang up with him. So kudos. He's clearly put in the work speed training wise. He's clearly put in the work like weight management and bulk wise. Great. Sweat walked into the league as like a really athletic pass rusher who tried to do a ton of different things and Really, was like he was a fourth-round pick because of the health concerns, right? He came in with a lot of knee injury issues. Talent-wise, he was very clearly a top-two-round player. I expected a lot from him early in his career that he did not deliver on. He has since delivered on it. He is a consistent one-on-one outside winner. He is the Eagles' most regular and successful pass rusher on the outside, bar none. Better than Graham right now, better than Reddick, better than Barnett, period. Not a question. The fact that it required reinvention of how he rushes, talked about this a little bit in the preseason pods, but 
uh, Matt Burke coming in and, and kind of telling him to simplify and saying, okay, you're just going to rush with a long arm and then you're going to rush with a rip off of the long arm and you're just, you know, you're going to dip off of this. Like we're just going to build this back building block one, building block two, building block three really does not happen very often. The only other like rusher that I can, I can think of that even then it's not one-to-one, but like Hassan Reddick had a similar arc where just like they were playing in the wrong position, but he did have to like learn how to rush at the NFL level in a way that he was not doing at college. That's very hard, especially because after you've been in the league for a couple of years, there's an internal feeling of like, oh, I missed my window. Like I, I had the opportunity that I did. A coaching staff change and being able to stay healthy behind some guys who got banged up, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham over the last couple of years, gave Sweat the reps that were necessary to become. Like, like it was a little bit of a joke that he was a Pro Bowl alternate last year, but that's the caliber of rusher he is. He's going to yeah. generate enough sacks that he's on those lists. And that's a fourth-round pick who did not look good, who did not look... Fletcher Cox was yelling at him because he had no idea how to defend the run in rookie season. Fletcher got a lot better. Or excuse me, Sweat's got a lot better. I think he deserves a remark. Maybe it's more of like a over the past couple years improvement. Yeah. But when I think improved Eagles defenders, he's the first guy who comes to mind. I like that. It's good. Good. Uh, not not the one I was expecting. Yeah, I just went I'm glad T- we disagreed on these. Yeah, yeah. Because TJ Edwards, I did not. Uh, I wasn't probably as far as you were on him, but I, I still thought, all right, you know, he's somebody you kind of get by with competent until you're able to upgrade and he's just flat out been better than that this year i mean he doesn't come off the field he's played the most snaps of any of their linebackers we're dealing with small numbers here but if you just look at off ball hurries he's in the top five i i feel like they've used him more as a blitzer and he's been pretty good at that bowling over backs and really being aggressive in that respect you know what we call blitzing linebacker linebacker that can't cover but not him this year He's been, he has, I mean, we've barely talked, I barely talked about him be having issues uh, in coverage. And, you know, maybe part of that is what they're asking him or not asking him to do. But I also think if you look around the league and say, who are the elite, you know, linebackers who you're not worried about in coverage, there's probably not that many of them. And, and I think the one area who I thought he's been fantastic at is his open field tackling. Like when he's firing down uh, to the flat, he's not missing those tackles. I think there was a play even in this last game against Trevor Lawrence where Lawrence tried to escape to his left and Edwards closed quickly and and triggered and brought him down. And so he's been doing that uh, consistently. I just haven't seen him as a liability and I've seen him making plays and I didn't know that you know, I'm not going to say he's like a all pro type linebacker, but I think he's an above average, reliable, consistent, dependable uh, linebacker right now. And I didn't think that's what, uh, you know, I didn't think I would be saying that about him after four games. All right. Yep. Question. I will say. Yeah. They they played when they played their 5-1 front for the first that this week. For the first time I can remember all season, they played it. I think it was a few, just like a couple of snaps where they had Kazir White as the backer instead of TJ Edwards. There's one of two reasons for that. One, they feel like they need a Kaiser White instead of TJ Edwards package, which White's a faster player. He's a better coverage player. To me, that like if they're doing that, that reads, we want to have a, a, a cover package where Edwards isn't on the field. The other option is like Edwards' shoe came untied. I don't know which one it is, but it was to interesting to see that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm curious <laughs> to see what that looks like over the next few weeks. So like when they're in their 5-1 stuff, if they continue to like experiment with just having Kaiser out there, is it a blitz thing? Is it a cover thing? Whatever. So that I'm interested in because it's the first time that they've, act, they've, they've, they've taken TJ off the field. And I don't really know what that means yet because his play certainly doesn't warn him moving off of the field. Right. So I'm curious what they continue to do with that stuff package. Question number six. This is a question I did not think I would be asking before the Eagles-Cardinals game. Who would you rather have right now if you're the Eagles? 
Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray? And we can use this question to talk a little bit uh, about that Cardinals offense and the matchup this weekend. It's Kyler. I definitely, for a second, I was like, hmm. And yeah. then I, I and, and, and it's easy to forget what Kyler is because the last like few games we've seen him play have been like, the start of the season where they've had absolutely no receivers. They've been super banged up. Their line's really bad. Like, it's just been a total mess offensively. They're just begging, waiting, praying on DeAndre Hopkins to get back in here and solve their problems. And then, obviously, the end of last season where they really, really tailed off and left us with a horrible taste in our mouth with the performance against the Rams. But body of work-wise, Kyler's is a remarkably better thrower of the football than Jalen Hurts is. He, he to to the intermediate levels of the field, the intermediate out stuff outside of the numbers, like Hertz throws a great go ball. Um, but the release speed on Kyler, the accuracy of Kyler, the throw off platform, like it's just, he just is enough of a better thrower that even with the recent downturn of Kyler's offensive play and the upswing of, of Hertz's offensive play, I'd prefer to have Kyler, especially because you could plug him into this offense and run it in a lot of the same ways in terms of the, the RPO stuff and the read option stuff. And it would work. So it, it is still Kyler to me pretty clearly, but it is, it's an interesting question that like warrants thought. You have to you have to like think about okay, what do I want on offense? What do I not? I just think that the delta as passers was still pretty big. The case for Hertz would be uh, first would just be, are we sure Murray would be this good as a runner in the yes. Eagles offense and as durable? You say yes. No, no, no. I'm, oh, I'm saying oh, yes. Saying that's the question. key question. Oh, yeah, key yeah, question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as dur, you know, he's not as thick as strong. Uh, as Hertz is, and obviously that's a huge part of the Eagles' offense. And then not to go like the intangibles route, but like Hertz has every intangible you would Ooh. want, and Kyler I like got this the argument. and Kyler got the homework clause in his contract. I mean, Jalen Hurts isn't getting any homework clauses in his contract. Uh, I'll tell you uh, that much. Uh, now the case. Did you for see Kyler- the little Jalen Hurts <laughs> presser clip that's making the rounds right now? No. What did he say? He got asked. Like he he had his availability and the Eagles beats asked him about like being on the Manning cast and kind of like the start to the season and the invitations onto this, that, and like kind of the visibility and whatever. And they finished the presser and Hertz ne- didn't get a question about the Cardinals. And then he chastised the box, chastised the press. He said, I like, you know, we can't, like the Cardinals are a pretty good team. We can't just be not asking questions about the Cardinals. We still have to respect them. Like this is a good football team. We, we can't just be not asking any questions about them. Young man's dialed in, baby. One and zero every week. Listen, every the, Sunday in the NFL. Listen, the uh, the old school reporter in me is saying we, we'll decide what the questions are. Uh, Jim, yes. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> but um, that that's interesting. I had not uh, seen that yet. Hurts his ability to improve. You know that continues to be underestimated. Like, again, I thought this would be, this would have been the stupidest question in the world. If you would have said, Hey, Sheila, you're going to be, if you told me that with the first podcast we did here on the ringers, Philly special, you're going to be asking this question after week four, I'd say no way. Cause I, I had Murray as a guy like, well, I wonder if he doesn't get that extension. Is he someone the Eagles uh, could go after? So those are a couple of the things. I think it's close. Honestly, I, I, I you're a hundred percent right uh, about Kyler's natural talent about his arm, there's no doubt about that, but you have to weigh that against some of the other things I mentioned. Hertz as a runner, Hertz is intangibles, and reconsidering what Hertz's ceiling is right now. By the way, that Kyler contract is the one to look at if you're thinking about are the Eagles going to sign Hertz to a contract? Forty-six yep. million a year, baby. That's that would be if I'm Hertz's agent. Yeah, that's where we're starting it. The situations also, it's like hard to account for, but I mean. 
Kyler Murray's in a bad situation. Him and his coach hate each other. His coach is bringing nothing to the table uh, offensively. Their offensive line is not good. Their skill position players without DeAndre Hopkins, uh, they're not good. And so I was thinking about this because remember last year at this time, I mean, the Cardinals went, what, 6-0, and 7-0 and to start last no, season? Like 9-1. and it's, it's a great yeah. reminder about we're still early, everyone. Take a deep yes. breath. We're still early here. I think the Eagles are going to be really good, but it is a long season. And after six or seven games last season, Kyler Murray was the person being talked about the way Jalen Hurts is being talked about uh, right now. Very much so. Something I didn't really write about in the piece because like, it's a lot of conjecture, but it's basically like, all right, what offenses have looked like the Eagles offense looks right now? It's like 2020 Ravens a little bit, and then 2021 Cardinals. Okay, well, one of those offenses and one of those quarterbacks stayed <laughs> really good. They changed stuff, but yeah. still felt really good. The other one didn't. Both of those offenses haven't had a lot of postseason success. What's what's the runway on playing gun run, RPO, read option, simple passing game? Do you eventually just teams get enough film and enough data that they just know your stuff and you can't develop? So the question is like, is what Shane Steichen got? That's really what that question comes down to. Is like, all right, Cliff, Greg Roman, they, they've become limiting factors on the offense for those rushing quarterbacks. What has Shane got? What has Nick got? And do they have the ability to continue to evolve? That's where your AJ Brown MVP take really has a lot of water because like if they do, it'll be because they're able to take games over in the passing game with Brown. I was thinking I really wish they played like they got to play like the Niners or uh, or the Bucks or the Bills or one of these teams in the first 10 just to see what's, you know, let, that's let's get why it. I said this Jaguars game. I was like, you guys understand the Jaguars are about as good of a yeah, test as they're going right. to get. You're and right. so it's an important, important game. That Cowboys game, I mean, that that's looming, and that that defense yeah. is playing really well. I, I don't know that we need to do a deep dive on the Cardinals offense. I mean, I don't know what if, if you have anything else to say about it. My take on the Cardinals offense is that it's not very good when it works. It's Kyler running around and making second reaction plays, and that's a real thing that you have to account for. But in structure, it's a disaster. They're horribly coached. They've been outscored by 50 points in the first half through four games. Yes. That's the worst in the NFL. They had a, a comment on last week's broadcast, which I didn't realize. They had not had a lead in regulation until last week against the Panthers. Uh, which is the worst team in the league. The joke yes. that I will put in my picks column is that Cliff Kingsbury versus the play clock is the biggest rivalry uh, in sports <laughs> right now. I mean, it's in a world full of uncertainty. It's the only thing I can count on every week is that they're going to waste the time out because the play clock's running down every week. Kyler Murray's going to yell at Cliff. Cliff's going to look mm -hmm. annoyed at Kyler Murray. And that's really uh, how they operate. Now, statistically, they're 13th in EPA per drive, they're 16th in success rate, and they're 21st in DVOA. So they're, I don't want to paint them as the worst offense in the league. Uh, they're more in the mediocre range, but that's kind of how I see their offense. Am I missing anything? Uh, no, I don't think you are. I think the big thing with that EPA and the, kind of those advanced metrics and what they're catching is that the Cardinals have been very aggressive on and insanely successful on fourth down. Especially mm -hmm. like they had like the fourth down conversions for touchdowns against the Raiders that got them yes. back into that game. In terms of series conversion... Okay, you have a first and ten. How often do you get another first and ten, or you know, score a touchdown off of that first and ten? The Cardinals are top six in the league right now. They convert a series on seventy-five percent of their series. They're going three and out, or you know, That's forced upon on twenty-five percent. So it's very, very good, right? Top six. Uh, yeah. In terms of their ability to do it in the first three downs, they're bottom ten. And then on fourth down, they have like nine percent of their first and tens have become uh -huh. first and tens on fourth down conversions. This Not is sustainable, yeah. As fragile of a build <laughs> as you're going to find, baby. Uh, so 
Know your tendencies, know your rules, know their little gadget plays for fourth down. Try to get yourself a couple of stops there. You get some short fields. You put this game out of distance and then you let it run. Uh, they and the, uh, the 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 continued injuries as well, like their inabilities at receiver and, and offensive line, made them extremely susceptible. Right when like Sean Harlow gets into a game, you you look to Fletch and Javon Hargrave and you go, All right, "It's time to time to win a football game." Like this yeah. this should not this this is this is business as usual. So offensively, not too, not too scary. Defensively, here's the fun stat for the defense. Yeah, this uh, question are, seven. How do you, yeah uh, the Cardinals defense? Go ahead. They uh. I, I was doing my prep and then I was you know, scrolling through Twitter and, and, and I saw a headline, I think it was pro football talk. That was like, uh, Cardinals last in sacks, but defensive line still confident they're affecting the game. That's nice. However, you put on the film, they're not really affecting the game too much. Uh, this is a blitz heavy team that tries to play man behind it. They don't have great man coverage players. They try to press, you know, Marco Wilson, uh, uh, Jalen Thompson, you know, okay, Buddha's good in the slot. Byron Murphy's an okay corner one, but AJ Brown should have the advantage there. And then when they play zone, they're nothing. Uh, this is a very, very, very bad zone team. And they don't want to be zoned because of that. They want to send their blitzers. If you blitz Jalen Hurts, I mean, you might get him a couple times. But if he's outside of the pockets and explosive run, if he's getting the ball out underneath in the RPO game, right, in the quick game, to Devontae moving, to AJ Brown moving, to Dallas Goddard moving, if they're in their screen game behind your blitzes, I mean, it's going to be those drives where, like, Hurts attempts three passes beyond the line of scrimmage. They run the ball six times, and they never saw a third down. They score seven. Yeah, like, it's they're very well suited to handle a defense like this, especially with the lack of second-level stars. Zayvon Collins, Nick Vigil, Isaiah Simmons. It's a really, really weak linebacking core. We talked about it earlier. This team pulls on linebackers in a way that very few teams do. Uh, should be pitch and catch. They are the opposite of the play-too-deep, prevent explosive plays. They are single-high, yeah. uh, cover-one, cover three, blitz heavy, man coverage heavy, get in their face type defense. So a little bit like maybe what you saw from the uh, from the Lions in week one. They're not going to sit back and just say, oh, yeah, let's make them, uh, you know, put together a bunch of drives. They're going to be like, let's force something to happen. If we give up a 57-yard touchdown, so be it. We will come back out on the next drive and do the same thing. So yeah, even their defense, you know, their de- their. 23rd in EPA per drive, 29th in success rate, 29th in DVOA. That comes with playing the Panthers last week. That was the worst offensive performance by an offense all season. Now, the Chiefs game that the Cardinals had earlier in the season was one of the best. So right. they've got those two uh, outliers for sure. But yeah, I'm with you. This was, you know, Vance Joseph for a couple of years has really done more with less, in my opinion, with that defense. And he's got a very, like, again, aggressive, screw it type style. But like, he got in my opinion, contract extensions for Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kahn. Because if you look at their offense, the pad, they haven't had a top 10 offense in three years with Murray and Kingsbury. And the defense, I think, back-to-back years was a top 10 uh, defense. But I, th- I think this was the year where you're just like, they just don't have the guys where that's going to happen once again. All right, let's get to a couple callers. Why don't you hit us up with the First call, and again, voicemail line number is 215-315-7982. And so if you want to leave a voicemail for future episodes, that is the number to call. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. Yo, it's Carly from Conchi. Thanks for having me on the pod. First things first, go birds, baby. Good dub on a rainy Sunday in South Philly. But you already know. Rain, sleet, or snow, the link is a go, baby. 
But I'll be honest with you, the offense has been drawn in the second half. And yeah, we're 4-0, but look at who we've played so far. These teams have been trash. But I'll say this, man, Jalen Hurts is him. And shout out to Julie Hurts' husband. We love you. Super Bowl champ forever in Nagel. But you're playing for the wrong birds this Sunday. Hopefully, Kyler Murray doesn't dance around our D-line this week. Do you think the Cardinals have a chance against us? All right. Thank you, uh, Carly, for that. Ben, what is, what is like the formula? What is the way where we're sitting here in the post-game pod Sunday night going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe the Eagles lost that game. Here's what happened. Same way the Jags lost the Eagles, man. It's turnovers, right? Like if this this chaos defense is trying to generate short fields, generate turnovers, put you in in negative game script positions, get you into second and longs, third and longs, right? The Eagles are very, very, very well suited to handle that, but it doesn't mean it's impossible, right? Welcome to the NFL. Uh, any given Sunday, sort of an, an approach. So I do not think the Cardinals are a good team. I do think the Eagles are a good team. Should be pitch and catch, but it's going to be a lot of chaos there. And then the same way that Kyler played them into the Raiders game, right? Like it's yeah. annoying to play him in quarter one. Quarter four, playing in Arizona. He traveled, physical game against the Jaguars, bad weather. I think Arizona ACs their stadium. I'm pretty sure it's not that hot, but regardless. Yeah. Yeah, it, it starts to wear on you. We're starting to get to that, that point in the season where you're, you're never really going to be at, at 100% the way you were. And then all of a sudden, Kyler's just video game jukebox back there in the fourth quarter and just making plays, making plays, making plays. And that plus the injuries can put you in, in dangerous spots. So can't really count the Cardinals out. But at the same time, I think there's enough of an understanding of, of how their offense works, how their defense works. You should be okay. But it's, it's chaos on both sides. Defense with Vance Joseph, offense with Kyler. It's exactly what you said. This is an any given Sunday game where you look at it and you're going, Eagles have so much more talent. Eagles are playing so much better. Eagles are so much better coached. Uh, it's not late in the season where they should be, you know, getting uh, lackadaisical or anything. So it would take, I think, uh, like you mentioned, Kyler Murray making some second reaction plays, which again, against your banged up secondary, if you do have a banged up secondary, that could be uh, an issue. You have a couple of those coverage busts that I mentioned against the Jaguars and all of a sudden he exposes those. Uh, you have to you turn the ball over on offense. And then special teams, I think, is the other one to keep an eye on. If, if Jake Elliott plays or doesn't play, if you have a special teams gaffe or two, kind of that is the cocktail for the Cardinals to pull off the upset. All right, Cliff, I think we've got one more call here to get to. What do we got? Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, guys. My name's Harrison. Big Birds fan calling from New York. Go Birds. Assuming the New Orleans Saints are a bottom 10 team this year, we have their draft pick, and I'm already looking ahead to the draft. Who do you think Howie is eyeing if he's not trading down in the 2023 draft? Again, love the pod. Keep it up. Love to hear about the cheese reviews. Go Birds. <laughs> ben, the, I don't even know. Where, the, where would the New Orleans Saints pick be? Right now, I have this this site up. It's fourth have... currently, which is oh, just – I can't even tell you how oh good gosh. it feels. Yes. Wow. And they still have quarterback injuries. Oh, it's delicious. So if so if they have the fourth pick and if Jalen Hurts balls out here the rest of the way where you're just like, he's our guy, then you could even trade out a four and really get a ransom for a, for a team looking to trade up for a quarterback. Yes. But what are, what are uh, your – any thoughts on, on the question there? Yeah, I think you look at – the corner room, right? Bradbury's on a one-year deal. Slack, like we talked about, is on the wrong side of 30. We'll see what his health looks like for the rest of the season. Uh, and so then you have, like, uh, 
there's the South Carolina kid, Cam Smith. There's Eli Ricks at Alabama. Uh, Ringo, who's the game-winning play against Georgia. Those are guys who are in the conversation for round one right now. Um, defensive tackle, they'll look at as well. I know they just spent a top 15 pick on it. I don't think they're going to spend a top five pick on it. But in terms of like a trade-back situation, just with Hargrave and Fletch and then the expiring contracts there, huge yeah, money guys. they're both free agents. Uh, yeah, exactly. Breesy and Clemson. Uh, Jalen Carter, who was obviously uh, uh, playing next to Jordan Davis in Georgia, which is... Uh, they get the the Jacoby Dean Jordan Davis Jalen Carter experience. I will love this team forever. I'll do whatever Howie says for the rest of the time. Um, the other thing that should not be ruled out is that they trade out of the pick with the intention of getting a quarterback later in the draft. Not to say that Jalen Hurts warrants out at this time. Hurts keeps playing like this. They're going to keep riding with him. Um, but part of the magic of how good Jalen Hurts is for the Eagles right now is the fact that he's making just north of one and a half million dollars. You want to know how you pay Hassan Reddick and James Bradbury and AJ Brown and who else they got in this year? Somebody else. They paid a lot, a lot of people this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's by having a rookie contract quarterback. And that was the entire point of drafting Jalen Hurts when they signed Carson Wentz to the extension was we're going to continue to invest in the position. We're going to have good, cheap backup options at the position. So they might have that pick at four. Somebody wants to come up like a star receiver. They don't need to get that guy. So they move back and then they're drafting some project running quarterback all over again. There's one at Florida, go Gators, Howie, uh, that, that fits that bill pretty nicely. And so it's, it's not something to rule out even at this time. Ooh, I, I didn't even want to bring up the quarterback thing, but I didn't realize it was the fourth overall pick. I mean, like if you go like 12 and five, 13 and four, but then you lose in the first or second, <laughs> second round of the playoffs. Right. But even, even, then, even then, it's like independent of what happens with Hurts. If the top of this class is Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, which is what it looks like right now, Bama, Ohio State, and Kentucky, respectively, and you're sitting there with the top five pick, that, and you're Howie Roseman, and everybody knows you're Howie and you're a trader, you are going to be the one who gets the calls. You're going to be the one who dictates. And why would you not move out of that pick and continue to, if you're going to invest in quarterback, do it later? You did that with Hurts, and it worked flawlessly, and the, and the, you're benefiting from that because of the contract. Trevor Lawrence is making a lot of money right now, 1-1. Two fifty three, Jalen Hurts is not, and that's a huge part of why how we invest in quarterback is because when you hit, the difference in money is so 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 valuable for your team. All right, question number ten. But this, how is this such a long pod? I feel like the Cardinals game doesn't have a lot of juice, but uh, we've gotten into a lot it's of exciting stuff. stuff today. Yeah, we had a lot to say. All right, what is your game prediction? The Eagles are five and a half point favorites. The over under is forty eight point. Five, I think we both got this against the spread. Oh, we're struggling against the spread with the Eagles, Ben. We're both, I think, one and three yeah. against the spread. I'm having a great year betting, but this is why I don't bet on Eagles games too I much. know. I did it's bet. I, I bet on Jags last week, and for a moment there, I was like, ah. And then it turns out now. Yeah. Uh, Eagles cover, Eagles win, Eagles win big. This is, to me, this is 30 to 13. Uh, I, do not th- I do not think the Cardinals are a good football team, pole to pole. Uh, so, yeah, 30 to 13 is my, is my score prediction. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles, again, score no points in the fourth quarter because, again, they are not trying to. I'm on the same page. Yeah, I think, listen, there's always the chance that chaos ensues and something surprising happens. That's why we watch. That's why we're glued to our TVs on Sunday. 
but just the coaching mismatch, the talent mismatch, I can't get over it. The Cardinals are one of the most disorganized teams in the NFL. Again, Cliff Kingsbury should be writing Nathaniel Hackett thank you letters because that's the reason he's not getting uh, as much heat through the first month of the season. But my gosh, they do so many things that annoy me on a weekly basis. I've got Eagles 34 Cardinals 21. And even with that, you know, I think, it, like you said, it might not be close in the fourth quarter and the Cardinals score that third touchdown. So we'll see. Uh, it never feels good when everyone's predicting a blowout, but that is just honestly how we both see it. All right. Quick programming note before we sign off. Some of you have requested some Phillies content. I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring you a Phillies podcast. Could never be me. That's going to be in your face feed a special bonus episode i'll be joined by a special guest we'll talk about phillies cardinals a little bit as they get ready for the playoff series this weekend so look for that in your feed and then we're going to get some other stuff in here we'll have a sixers preview i'm being told next week in the feed so don't worry you'll still get me and benny souls twice a week going long going deep on the birds but we will be mixing in some of those other sports and those episodes as we go. All right, Ben and I will be back Sunday night to recap Eagles Cardinals. Appreciate everyone listening, rating, reviewing. Keep those coming, and we will talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.